Hello and welcome. In this episode, Edwidge Fennec is at the mercy of a mental health system that includes satanic orgies and being chased around London by a man in blue contacts in Sergio Martino's wild 1972 jello, All the Colours of the Dark, aka Tutti il Colori del Buio. Dave Thomas, that's me, and my co-host John Deere attempt to advise. This is episode 6 of Due Signori in Giallo. Drink this, and you will be free. This week, our discussion touches on gendered and sexualized violence, gaslighting, rape, and animal cruelty. So this episode, we're looking at All the Colours of the Dark, directed by Sergio Martino. Now, long Correct. before we even talked about doing uh, a podcast, I asked, I think I asked you for recommendations on on Jello, which I had watched in a slightly unknowing and slightly haphazard way, and but that in a, in a way started the journey that, that culminated in, in, in what we're doing now. And you very definitely told me, to watch this film. Yes, this is hands down probably my favourite Jano. Not necessarily the best Jano. No, in fact, no, no, I would I definitively say it's not the best Jano, uh, but it is resolutely one of my favourites and probably my all-time favourite. Certainly, there. This is the only Jano uh, where I've gone on a location tour of places in it. Appreciated that's more easy than as it's set yes. in London. Yes, yes, it's uh, Putney. It's the first Jalo to be set. <laughs> well, I was about to say set obviously, but um, part of uh, part of the sweet body of Deborah is in Switzerland, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Jalo not known for its overseas filming. So, ah, well, what? if if I may, if I oh, may okay. stop you then. No, fair enough. Um, yeah, one of the elements that's pretty common in Jallo, really actually from probably following on from Sweet Body of Deborah, is that they a lot of them do this jet setting foreign city thing. Right. Um, And and one of the things that you can criticize them for is, you know, these are erotic thrillers set amongst, you know, the problems of rich jet setting white people. And that and that's actually what makes something like again, jumping ahead slightly, but something like Fulci's Don't Torture a Duckling, which is set in a very rural, very working class part of Italy, so different from so much of what was going on at the time. Um, so this actually plays quite specifically into the kind of thing that, that a lot of Jally were doing, and certainly the Martino um, Fennec Jally generally aren't set in Italy, um, or if they are, they're kind of for a bit, and then they will move on somewhere else, somewhere fabulous and glamorous. You you bastard, for, for, for the notes for the next episode, which I think is Don't Torture a Duckling, literally the first thing I've got is working class rural something very different. So you've Sorry. just you've just completely blindsided that 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 bit. And now it looks like I'm just copying you. <laughs> well I mean that's one of the things that folks pick up on about that movie specifically. Alright, it's not on a completely original thing no, no. to say, but that's oh, right, whatever. So no, it just means it just means that you are, you know, the 
you, you that I can spot obvious things. Good. I'm going to stop um, trying to say anything nice. <laughs> well, you, you mentioned there. You said the Martino Fenich Jallos. Do mm. you want to um, expand on that? You mean the the director and and his leading lady? There. Yes, absolutely. So Edwidge Fenech was a. I think initially um, had started out as a sort of model and beauty queen. Um, she was the daughter of a Maltese dad and Italian mother. In fact, yes, she won the title of, uh, <laughs> this is amazing, Miss Mannequin de la Côte d'Azur uh, when she was 16. Miss Mannequin? Yes. Uh, possibly to mean something else in French. Right, uh, okay. Uh, and kind of parlayed that into uh, an acting career. Kind of throughout her career, she was known for in Italy known for comedy probably more than than Jally um but as we kind of touched on in the previous episode the comedies don't necessarily travel that well um the sense of humor is quite broad and I and I, I I don't say this um by way of of uh disparaging other people's sense of humor you know one of my great loves is you know old hong kong kung fu movie you know Jackie Chan kung fu comedies, which are about the broadest, most lowbrow humour that you'll find on you know, on celluloid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very much that you know the sort of the 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 Italian sexy comedy is is a a thing which doesn't necessarily translate to um, anywhere outside of a, an Italian speaking audience. And this so, is what she was known for. Well, I think for, for sort of the early part of her career, um, she kind of alternated between um, comedy and and thriller. I think is relatively fair to say. Um, I mean, she was known, I, I, you know, uh, f- for obvious reasons and without wishing to um, get too un- unreconstructed about it. I mean, for obvious reasons, you know, she was a, hired as a sex symbol because she was astoundingly attractive and so that kind of parlays into the fact that you know she's in comedies where you know she's sort of required to take her clothes off quite a lot um and jelly where to be fair she's required to take her clothes off quite a lot um so you know she's in things i mean sort of some interesting titles from the 60s are things like samoa queen of the jungle sexy susan sins again so not necessarily the kind of thing that that has a, a a long shelf life in terms of you know critical reassessment decades later like the cello kind of underwent she's in i mean she's in a couple of interesting ones early on um so she's in a movie this is one of the things about the about Jallo, and we've touched on it before, that there are certain films which, you know, some people swear blind to Jallo and some people absolutely refute. So she's in a movie called Top Sensation in 1969, which um, is included in at least two of, like, books on Jallo that I have, which is flat out not a Jallo at all. I, I don't understand the, the fixation with this film. I think because it's got Edwige Fenech and Rosalba Neri, who's also an actress known primarily in the non-Italian speaking world for Jallo films um, it kind of gets lumped in but it's it's really it's kind of a sort of overwrought melodrama with gratuitous nudity and, and various other unsavoury things but it's certainly you know it's, it's kind of remembered really because of those two actresses and then she's in a film from 1970 one of two Jelly that uh, Maria Barva made in 1970 called Five Dolls for an August Moon which is 
sort of a barber take on the whole Ten Little Indians kind of plot, which is, it's not one of his best, I have to say, but she is fantastic in it. The director, Sergio Martino, and we're kind of back to that element where filmmakers on these movies have a slightly dynastic, uh, familial entry into the film business. Um, you mean nepotism? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you want to put it that way, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Sergio and Luciano Martino were brothers, and their grandfather was um, also a Italian film director who had made, I believe, the first Italian sound film. So quite significant uh, within the uh, the history of Italian movies. So, so Luciano, we've actually talked about before because he had produced and I think co-wrote the Sweet Body of Deborah, right? Okay. Which he, and and also um, another of the Carol Baker films with with Umberto Lenzi. Because it's interesting. This this one of the things about this movie that I, I um, that is fascinating is even though it comes in the wake of Bird with Crystal Plumage, it has that kind of female centric Jallo gaslighting someone being encouraged to think that their mental health is not necessarily what it is for financial gain of someone else so those elements kind of flow through from a, a, the, the the jello that kind of predates argento um but with the kind of added argento tropes of stabbing and gratuitous nudity Edwidge Fennec actually became at some point uh, Luciano Martino's girlfriend uh, right. and so he as a producer was quite keen to promote both his uh, his brother and his partner in, in, in life so they that then parlayed into them working together on a short kind of series of Jallo films and I don't want to make it sound like you know sort of there was any kind of structure to the the series necessarily you know they all they all did other films in between um and carried on with their careers but um the the three jally that martino made with edwidge fennec which is the strange vice of mrs ward in 1971 which has several cast members that also are in this um, all the colors of the dark in 72 and also in 72 your vice is a locked room and only i have the key amazing title um that is, those that are the best of my favorite the, title of a film ever i've yet to see i really yes really yeah and, and those really are the the three best jally that that fenix in and she's not actually you know if you look at if you, if you did it by you know volume there are other actresses who are in more jally than Edwidge Fennec was. That's certainly, you know, Carol Baker, Anita Strindberg, Barbara Boucher, I think is probably similar kind of number. Ida Galley that we talked about is, is I think, probably in slightly more. And, and you know, there will be there are other actresses as well who, who did, you know, a bunch. So it's interesting that if you talk to fans of the Jello and you say, like, who's the most significant actress in, mm. in Jello history... I pretty much guarantee they'll say a Ridge Fennec. And it really, I think it's on the strength of these three films. And that's not to say, you know, that the, the, other, the other movies that she did, you know, Five Dolls for an August Moon, she's, she is terrific in, even if the film itself is a bit iffy. Uh, Case of the Bloody Iris is a bit naff. Um, Strip Nude for Your Killer is really pretty crap. But God. Crap in an enjoyer. I mean, well, okay, let me, let me rephrase that. I quite enjoy it. Um, it's not one I would necessarily recommend to others. Um, it is 
it, that that one is extremely uh, problematic if we want to look at it in in those terms. The um, type the title's pretty problematic. Yeah. So so it's definitely I think the the Martino films. And Martino went on to do other Jallo um without Edwidge Fennec and you know throughout and, and again was kind of a generalist so he did you know crime films and Mad Max knockoffs and all kinds of interesting mm-hmm. stuff um and you know ended up doing kind of erotic thrillers in the states in the 90s um at least one of which is completely insane um American Rickshaw which um if you want to if you want to have a batshit crazy 90 minutes um it's mm-hmm. a film I highly recommend people to go and watch don't expect it to make sense um i still don't know if the boat got blown up by a psychic cobra and i've seen it three times so um, psychic cobra (laughs) i'm 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 sold yeah but there is something and i guess we will discuss as we go there is something about edwige fennec that just makes her electrifying in movies like this and even though in italy she kind of subsequently went on to do more kind of comedy and drama and really kind of moved away from from you know sort of thriller subjects that she's so fondly remembered and and revered by by fans of this kind of movie why was london chosen in particular for this film i'm not sure specifically uh whether it was i don't know that they had any kind of production money from the uk because you know generally movies like this had a fairly torrid time with the bbfc so Mm. i I don't necessarily think there was oh you know we should we should make a you know we should put some money into the jello it was actually uh london i guess as i said you know sort of swinging happening you know glamorous capitals because to us looking at you know rome and milan and naples Mm. and whatever and saying well that's a perfect place to set this but i guess if you live there you kind of think well i see that every day so you know, London is probably a pretty good kind of jet-setting location. And there, I mean, there are quite a few jally that are set in London. Uh, we've certainly talked about a couple in passing. So whether or not, you know, there's a specific reasoning why this one should be, or it was just, let's go there next, because they'd just done, the, the previous one they'd done, your um, The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, I think is set in Geneva. Um, but there's no real reason why it has to be Geneva. The char- Edwin Fennec's character in that is the wife of a diplomat, so it could kind of been any major city where an Italian ambassador might live, which probably is most of the world's capitals. Right, yeah. So, okay. um, you know, it's just sort of something to give it a more interesting colour. So I think really that's probably the most likely reason, whether it was still kind of a holdover from Blow Up or, or any of the films that followed that, maybe. Um, maybe they just really like the Anchor Pub on the South Bank. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's very different now than it is then, which is what, something I really want to talk about as we get to it. As for the rest of the cast, um, there's uh, Yorgi Hilton, who we've already encountered in Sweet Body of Deborah. Mm-hmm. Um, he's playing a Brit here, isn't he? Yes, I think everyone actually is meant yeah. to be... British, uh, which gives it an interesting kind of frisson because none of them really look <laughs> which is <laughs> terribly I mean, English. Given that we've often had Anglophone, at least American actors mm. uh, playing playing Italian roles, there's a complete lack of British actors in this for a film set in almost entirely in London. Yeah, yeah, and that that's interesting actually because the one of the films that this is kind of t- contemporaneous with is. 
Lucio Fulci's Lizard in a Woman's Skin, which again is an, another London set Jallo that makes quite a lot of the fact that it's it's London. I mean, and that has like is, Leo. Is David Den Ike and... a fan of that one? <laughs> Do you know? I've never asked. But that has like Stanley Baker and Leo Gen in it. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah. You know, so it's so that's making the most of the fact that there are English actors at their disposal. But whereas you say this doesn't really at all. Um, even in kind of minor roles, I think anyone with a speaking part is pretty much, if not Italian, then familiar to viewers of like Italian or Spanish, mm. you know, genre movies. Because presumably, if, if if you needed normally, if you needed an actor for say a tiny role that you would need two days filming mm. for in London, you would just get an actor that's based in London and could go home at the end of the day. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think to a certain extent, um, one of the things that is probably slightly misleading is when a Jallo set in a foreign location, they normally only do the exteriors and then everything else nice. will be on a soundstage at like Chinichita. Right. So okay. unless it's something specifically where there's a, there are scenes taking place outside and you want, um, you know, like an extra, like a walk-on, sure. where you'd pull in, you know, sort of someone from, you know, that sort of jobbing, you know, half a day off from Pinewood or wherever. Um, you, I guess you would go with, uh, you know, local Italian actors or actors within the, the Italian biz, unless you had sort of name value like, like a Stanley Baker, for example. But yes, this, I mean, this is almost like a who's who of Jallo. Uh, which is another reason why I thought it was it was worth putting in because you've got obviously you've got Edwige you've got George Hilton uh, you've got uh, Ivan Rasimov who turns up throughout Italian genre cinema and and both Hilton and Rasimov had been in the previous Jallo that Sergio Martino had made with Edwige Fennec, um Strange Devices of Mrs Ward and oh I'm forgetting I think. George Hilton is definitely in the one they made. He made between the two, which doesn't have Edwidge Fennec in it, which is a film called *Case of the Scorpion's Tail*. I think Ivan Rasimov's in that as well. So you know, they're kind of a fairly um, close cadre of of actors. And obviously, Hilton had come from you know the last time we saw him uh, for the show was for the podcast was in um, *Sweet Body of Deborah*, which again you know has the the Martino connection. So clearly, someone they like working with. Um, and he's he's very good for this kind of thing because you know he's very good looking, but there's something slightly off about him, which is actually true of many male Jello leads. To be mm. fair, <laughs> this is normally the point in in an episode I would do a quick summary of the plot. Um, <laughs> that's going to be a little more challenging. Um, mm. Jane, our uh, our heroine. Um, is plagued by nightmares and we open in the middle of one of those nightmares so we have oh. an incredibly surreal opening sequence yes. um, and it, it it doesn't we don't really move on for much from, from <laughs> that that really 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 sets the tone anyway jane is played by nightmares we learn that when she was a young child her mother was murdered mm-hmm. she's recently lost a baby Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I know, uh, her part—they're not married, are they? No, no. So no. there's so there's already uh, something there that she was presumably having a child out of wedlock, in which in where are we? 1972. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's re- literally remarkable. Mm. Um, her boyfriend, uh, who's a pharmaceutical rep, 
mm-hmm. uh, wants her to start taking pills to cure her of um, her, her nightmares and the resultant anxiety. Her sister works for a psychiatrist and mm-hmm. she recommends that she has psychiatric treatment to cure her. Mm-hmm. Her neighbour, who she doesn't really know at all, says, why don't you go to a, a black mass, sacrifice a puppy and, and, and have orgy sex and, and that, that will solve everything. She tries one and two, but ultimately opts for three. The homeopathic approach. Yes, the homeo-psychopathic approach. Oh, very good. Yeah, thank you. Um, off the top of my head, then, absolutely brilliant. So she 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 participates in 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 the black mass, uh, and that seems to bring her nightmares to life. And the person that she sees with very distinctive eyes in her nightmares, she starts to see in real life. Yes, I would attempt to continue to discuss the plot, but you know what? I'm going to leave it there. Um, after that I'm not really sure what happens despite having seen it three times and I can't tell you that what definitely happens on screen isn't is either is or is not is is not a dream but it's an immensely immensely fun uh, and interesting um, production and I still don't know who the killer is right okay I'm not sure it matters no, I well, I, I would agree. I mean, okay, I might have a slightly better idea of what's going on, though only slightly. But I, almost, as you say, it almost doesn't matter, and I don't necessarily think it's worth delving no. into because it's it sort of the, the the killer is um, the satanic orgy. I guess is the closest you can get to. Yeah some it's, kind of it's members coherence. of this this cult it's, it's yes. yes it's them and, and in fact the american title of the absolutely horrendously re-edited uh u.s release was called they're coming to get you which is you know accurate but not very good and it's worth pointing out again because uh talking about the cast so all of the other characters so we've talked about uh george hilton the the killer with the striking eyes is ivan rasimov who is great value for this kind of stuff um uh i mean you know they, they were a little too obviously contact but you know it's 1972 yeah. we'll go with it uh they didn't have blu-ray back then uh then you also have the actress playing her sister is a spanish actress named nervous navarro uh, commonly known as uh, susan scott who uh is another very familiar face to jello fans her husband was a guy called Lu- luciano acoli who made uh some quite key jelly starring her um her neighbor uh is played by uh mariana malfatti who again is a, a very familiar face in a lot of uh, very cool jelly um and was apparently in a italian version of sherlock holmes on tv in the 60s which i really want to see i just found mm. that out and i'm like that mm. sounds like something i need to need to have seen then we also have as the leader of the satanic cult another spanish actor julian ugarte who turns up in a lot of Italian and Spanish horror. So he's in Mark of the Wolfman with Paul Nashi and Amando de Osorio's Fangs of the Living Dead, which is um, which is a better title than a film, but it's still quite fun. Um, and then we also have the guy who plays the psychotherapist, 
again, I think another Spanish actor called George Rigaud, um, who again turns up in, you know, one of those guys, like he, he just appears in a jello and he's like, oh, it's that guy. Um, and he's actually even in, as I said, Lizard in the Woman's Skin, I think possibly came out the year before this. Um, which has a very similar plot, actually, and he also plays the psychotherapist in it, like literally the same character. So it's um, oh, sorry, he was Argentinian, not Spanish. There we are. Like um, the uh, the vicar in Quatermass and the Pit plays is played by Noel Howard, the actor, and is in exactly the same role in the Hancock episode, The Lift. <laughs> really, mm. same wow. act, same actor playing a vicar in exactly the same way. Which therefore leads me to conclude that the last series of it's not called Hancock's Half Hour. It's the last. It's, it's just called Hancock. He's expunged uh, the the Astrogan hat. Uh, so the <laughs> coat and the Astrogan hat. Uh, he's got rid of Sid James. He's on his. He's got rid of railway cuttings. He's on his own in a in a bedsit. And what the final episode is the most famous, the blood donor. But the lift, of course, they're all stuck in a lift. Um, is in that series and leads me to believe that 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 series, if nothing else is set in the same universe as Quatermass and the Pope. Nice. They're canon yes, to, to each other. Uh, yeah, I mean, is there, is there any... Uh, no, because uh, Sid James dies in Quatermass too, doesn't he? So. He, he, he does. That's, that's, all, that's also the film version. Um, oh, true, true. Yeah, he, the equivalent person for there who who is would be Roger Delgado in, yes, of uh, Quatermass, in Quatermass too, who of course doesn't die, he's not shot, he's just taken over. Mm. And by implication, everyone who's taken over um, doesn't... Uh, will revert back after the after the creature is destroyed. Anyway, none of this is, is to do with. <laughs> we're going off on a tangent to make you. We have sense. we have to mention Doctor Who at least once in every episode. I, I didn't I actually mention Doctor Who. I just mentioned Roger Delgado. <laughs> well, I, I mentioned it for you. There you go. That's all. So you only mentioned Doctor Who by mentioning that we mentioned Doctor Who. There we go. That's a, that's like that's like the. Uh, it's a bit like the plot of this film. It's, it's, it's also with the self-awareness of being chased by literal jello in Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Uh, yes, exactly. As, as well. So this comes out um, uh, in 72. Uh, yes. Um, and I found that interesting because it's the same year that uh, a horror anthology series called Dead of Night came out. And that same mm-hmm. team made Nigel Neal's um, The Stone Tape, which was shown on Christmas Day uh, th- that year. Uh, and in particular, the um, the series, uh, but they both deal with women in um, middle class environments and how they're controlled by men. And one in particular, the f- uh, final episode of Dead of Night, written by John Bowen, called uh, "A Woman Sobbing," uh, is about a woman pretty much trapped in her world as a housewife, doesn't really have any friends uh, beyond her husband's social circle, and starts to experience phenomena based on which could be the frustrations of being trapped by uh, the the trappings of a patriarchal society uh, she's uh, told that she's potentially you know going mad she's given pills she's given psychiatry um, but the whole thing for that seems to be is a supernatural plot about is she really hearing phenomena or is that phenomena um, an example or as you a symptom of of the trauma that women are placed under uh, when they're essentially trapped in a in, in, in a male world and I thought that had strong parallels with um, what happens to, to to Jane she's suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder uh, she's having these nightmares 
and everyone that suggests something or at least her her boyfriend and the the sister suggest things that are directly involved with their own world the sister works unlike her and suggests she tries psychiatry and the sister works for a psychiatrist her boyfriend suggests uh, she takes pills and is very keen her to take pills he sells pills but the um unknown neighbor who takes an interest in her with the strong implication that the neighbor's a lesbian all right lads suggest something so outlandish but would seem to offer true freedom in the way that taking pills and being patronized by a psychiatrist doesn't and yet that sort of unleashes hell but she sort of comes through the other side uh and throughout this the thing i took away the most was similar to the other production i've described was a woman trying to break free and that ma- and that matters more i think than who's killing who's killing the people yeah definitely something that runs through a lot of jelly and definitely the martino fennec ones is the kind of agency of fennec's character and it it probably comes through less in this one than the the previous one strange vice of mrs ward where the the plot of that one kind of centers around as the title suggests um fennec's character has a thing for sadomasochistic sex and that has sort of set the plot in motion in the past and um you know she's sort of married to her boring diplomat husband to try and get herself away from you know someone who is destructive who she had an affair with but one of the things not just in these films but in a lot of other kind of female-led jally is this idea that the female leads are and probably even going back to sweet body of deborah they, they're unapologetic about their sexuality and I think that's why female fans really like these films because while there are many and varied problematic elements, you know, if you want to kind of do problematic in in air quotes, because they do tend to to get the female actors, you know, into sex scenes, into shower scenes, you know, all of that, Mm. um, which are, you know, unrepentantly male gazy. Um, and that's what they're there for. But at the same time, I think they present the female character's sexuality without being judgmental, right? And, and that, that probably comes... I think that potentially comes through slightly less in, in this movie because... Well, maybe, actually, maybe it doesn't. Um, because, I mean, but one of the, the, the crux of the plot, one of the reasons why Jane is being encouraged to, to seek treatment by whatever means... Um, is because the accident where she lost her unborn child has left her unable to have sex with her partner. And thus far, nothing has really been able to overcome that. And, you know, I think it's presented as, you know, she wants to um, she wants to recover partly for his benefit, but also, you know, actually partly for her own. Um, because it's kind of shown later on when the treatment that does temporarily at least work, which is the satanic dog killing sex orgy, is you know the, sort of the the immediate scene that cuts from that sequence is her in bed with George Hilton and, and apparently having a great time. So yeah, I think I, the, the, there's something in that the way that they present the, the way that Jally 
sometimes, not always, um, but certainly in the hands of, of uh, someone like Martino, kind of presents female sexuality in a way that maybe I'm overdoing it by saying progressive, but in a way that's unapologetic. Um, I don't even know if that answered the question because I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Do you think Kubrick has seen this film? Do, uh, I have no idea. I'm just thinking of Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, see, why did you remind me of Eyes Wide Shut? <laughs> because it's got a sex orgy cult in it. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> quite a few. Th- 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 this is not the only Jally Jallo that has a, a satanic sex orgy, okay. um, in fairness. Um, I think, yeah, because it's, it's better than the scene in The Witches, Hammers the Witches. Uh, that's 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 yeah. That, I, think, I mean, I've seen, I've seen that described as the saddest orgy on screen. It really is. It, yeah, um, that that's, Dun- that's Duncan Lamont is Duncan Lamont is very good, but he has no place in sex orgies. <laughs> yeah, I suppose though. There's, I mean, there's something about uh, for women to get what they want, or for to get true progression, they have to go through um, unorthodox means. And the idea, I think, that female empowerment tied in with black magic or witchcraft, mm. that's a that's a historical um, strand that, that, run, that I think that, that runs deep about mm. female power. Um, but here, I mean, the cult is, is run by a man and she, if she can't have sex with her boyfriend, she certainly has sex with the with the cult leader, which sort of. Yep freeze her so i'm not sure it's i could i should overdo the progressive nature of that because no. it, you know no because you know to quote kevin smith she's given a deep dicking uh I'm not, I'm not sure that's that's the healthiest way to progress nevertheless she steps outside of the norm uh to mm. to try and seek freedom but that then potentially creates a, a greater threat to her and there's another thing that runs through um a lot of um period films and telly that of women who show too much agency are shown to die uh, and there's a bit of there's a bit of know mm. your place so on the one hand mm. there's a strong feminist reading of here's a woman who's being controlled every which way she needs to find mm. uh, a way of making a difference or a way of breaking free um, to make to make her own decisions or to overcome her own her, her own trauma in a way that mm. isn't um, wrapped in a controlling nature of a, of, of a man but on the other, if you do try and do much, or sorry, if you do try and do something out of the norm and don't do what you're told, bad things happen. Mm. Um, the slightly contradictory nature of that suggests I'm I'm I'm, I'm probably reading too much into it on, on both ways, but both mm. both ideas struck me. Anyway, it's not a film that has to have a a coherent message. It doesn't certainly have a coherent plot. Um, so, um, <laughs> but those those thoughts, I think, or those aspects, I think, both are, are equally present in the in mm. in what passes for a narrative. Uh, yes, in this piece. and if you want to then compound the problematic stereotyping of women, Edward Fenwick can't park for shit. <laughs> Awful yeah. parking. That sequence where she goes to the do- she's mate she's eighteen inches from the from the curb. Oh god, it stressed me out. So I mean, one thing always is driving in films in London set in the sixties and seven actually yep. in the fifties, sixties, seventies London, where you just see the lack of traffic and the freedom 
to to park where you would. And bear in mind, this is a time when you could just drive down Downing Street. Yep. Um, there's nothing more than a policeman outside a relevant door. Certainly not the end of the street uh, closed cl- closed off. Mm. So the idea of driving through Central London or driving, you know, this is a time where you would, if you wanted to go to the Odeon Leicester Square, you would drive and park in the middle of, of Leicester Square quite possibly. Absolutely. Quite, 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 quite possibly. Um, so there's always uh, a slightly alien quality watching watching such such things through 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 uh, 2021 eyes mm. um but nevertheless she parks terribly yeah that was upsetting wasn't it? yeah it was it was it was reverse park into that come on yeah. sh- you you want real progression here show me sh- sh- show me that you can reverse park with skill and, and she, she, she can't yeah I, one of the things that uh strikes me every time i watch this film and i've seen it multiple times this was actually one of those where i couldn't get a English friendly copy back when I was desperately trying to see this because it's funnily enough Phoenix movies now they're pretty much all available on Blu-ray in in various forms I think there's one that's only available on DVD but you you can kind of pretty much see the the Jallo ones not so much the comedy ones that's not necessarily a bad thing but so this was one of the ones where I had a a copy that I think had German subtitles and I kind of tried retranslating it myself uh, wow! Yeah, with yeah, with with the plot of this movie, you can imagine how kind of difficult that was. Um, because at that point, I'd only seen I'd actually seen a screening at the NFT of um, the American cut, which, if you think if you think this is incoherent, the American version just makes it ten times worse um, by cutting the ending midway through a dream sequence. So the the, the bad, you know the villains win, and uh, yeah. Anyway, never mind. I, I don't want to dwell on that. What was my point? Oh, yes. Um, but one of the things that always strikes me when I watch this is, and just to kind of mention, you know, I think one of the reasons why Edwidge Fennec is so fondly remembered and sort of stands out so much in this is because um, she's got this extraordinary mix of kind of vulnerability and sensuality so that she's never anything more than convincing so never anything less than convincing when she's both kind of threatened and required to show you know terror at, at what's happening around her but then also you know when you do get to the the um the sexy bits let's say um you know she genuinely does look like she's she's having a good time and you know i, I think that kind of combination makes her a really remarkable screen presence that said, I do not believe for one millisecond that she is going to eat that greasy fry up. <laughs> so, yeah, so did Bruce Robinson uh, see this film? Um, that reminds me of the, the, the cut to the cafe sequence in Withnail and I. I'm going to take individual scenes and then just say, did directors of other well-known films see, see this film? <laughs> the way they through house. Uh, but yeah, there's that. It's like, yeah, it's... Um, is it sausage and eggs? Isn't it frying in a in a yes. vast vast amount of cooking oil? I, I have they... to go and yes, I have to go and make Richard's dinner. She says she says to uh, uh, Mary Mariana Malfatti's uh, character, um, I have to go make his dinner. And the next thing you see is her making the most hideously greasy fry up. But they're uh, saying they're saying they're British, aren't they? Yes, there's quite, I, I, there's quite I, a lot of tea drinking. I, 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 yeah, that may well be fairly pointed, um, but it's just, <laughs> it's just the, it's just the incongruousness of, you know, one of the most arrestingly beautiful screen presences I think ever, 
um, with this hideous uh, transport cafe fry. She can't do a proper proper fry up. (laughs) (laughs) She's not all that. Yeah, it really is quite terrifying. Anyway, uh, that, that aside, it, it is one where it's laughing at. We, what have we taken from this film? She can't park and is a terrible cook. <laughs> it's, this is a proto-feminist. Absolutely, yeah. The problem's with us, definitely. Uh, I mean, I, I did. I, I I was a little concerned as we started this episode that this was going to be. The, the one where our kind of unreconstructed selves would would probably emerge the most, um, just because you know it's hard to talk about Edwige Fennec without sounding really horrendous. So well, she, try- I mean, she, she, she does it absolutely. I mean, she has to carry the film. There, there, is yeah. there a scene she's not in? No, I don't think there is. No, so like, um, she's, like it's 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 an incredibly incredibly demanding part. Yeah. I mean, so I'm trying very very hard not to sound like a a lad's mag but it is proving slightly difficult <laughs> you're working with what you've got i mean she's put in a variety of of of, of situations that are like as one would expect in a jello macabre like particularly when um the doctors the psychiatrist servants when she takes refuge at his at his house and hmm. they're both murdered and then positioned in in place for no yes. other reason simply than just to completely fuck with her um yeah. you know when when you're dealing or when you think you've got the killer and you run up there and there isn't one there is she dreaming what and then um ivan razimov appears and he's the detective as opposed to oh uh, opposed uh, uh, julian julian Nugate. sorry julian the, Nugate, the, the, no, the cult lady yes, yes. The cult yeah lady, yeah um yes which uh, incidentally the that's the that's the scene in the american version that's the last scene of the film so, oh, so the the, the un, so unequivocal, the bad guys win and get her. Yes, and which and isn't what certainly not what happens the, in the. In no, the no, it really isn't. Oh. So, wow. um, yeah, it's um, he falls uh, off the roof. <laughs> exactly. Yes. but then I guess they were probably reacting to the twist upon the twist in the final scene, which is that Edwidge Fennec Jane might be psychic. Oh yeah. Uh, because well, the dream sequence she has is basically a premonition of what yeah, happens. Of the, guy, of the guy with those eyes, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So this is almost, this is borderline kind of Jello Fantastico, which is what Kim Newman talks about Jello with kind of supernatural elements. Mm. Uh, and it's like, or is it? And it's not like it's ambiguous. I just don't think anyone really knows. <laughs> no, I don't, and again, I, I don't think it really matters. It's one of those no, things it, where it, you, so just, you, you just go, just go with it. It's, it's yeah. fine. And you know the good guys win in the end, sort of. Yes, kind um, of. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, the, the the bad guy has a horrible death, um, which you know, there's 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 some level of closure there. It's not yeah. not exactly they all lived happily ever after, but I certainly prefer that than ending the film in the middle of the dream in the in the dream sequence or the the hallucination sequence where she's mm. you know, where where she's in the lift would would, and, would and, be. And it also means that so the, there's a sequence earlier in the film where she's um, summoned by a solicitor who she doesn't know to go to his office. Oh, um, yes, of course, yeah. 
that's, that's uh, the parking sequence, actually, I think. Yes. yes. Uh, the solicitor played by um, Luigi Pagozzi, the Italian Peter Lorre, who doesn't look like Peter Lorre anymore by this this point, but the last time we saw him was in Blood and Black Lace. And and she gets to his office. She is attacked again by Ivan Rasimov's character and makes her escape, um, which is why her and Mar- uh, Mary are then late for the satanic orgy, which is apparently a terrible faux pas. Um but and they're Italian. I mean, well, they're not. Actually, I was going to say they're Italian, but they're not. They're British. They should be on time. That's exactly. that's, that's the way. Italians yeah. would definitely be late for an orgy. Brits um, would be queuing. But then, by cutting the end, you then don't pay off that scene because the lawyer never shows up again. And in the in the, front, in, the you know, in the Dunumon, it's she's got an inheritance coming to her, isn't she? Which is why everyone's it's trying to kill, to kill her, her. Yeah. and killed her mother. Yes, because it also turns out that the not really a satanic cult have also been trying to um, get the inheritance by also, you know, killing her mother years before. You go with it. It's fine. Um, I really want to talk about the bit when they go to the pub. (laughs) Because this sequence... it baffles me. I can't. I. I don't. I can't quite unpick it. I've never really understood, and I've never seen anything specifically about it. Now, to say, as I mentioned, for the folks listening, if if we do have any listeners uh, outside the UK, we do have any listeners. Um, I'm kind of amazed at this point. Um, but there is um, a sequence in the film where Jane and Richard go to lunch, I guess, and it's post the uh, the initial. Uh, satanic sex orgy so you know this is the point at which she's feeling better I think it's on in the wake of um, where they've had uh, consummated sex scenes so everything is looking up and it's sort of starting to feel more rosy which of course is is the setup for the rug being pulled again Um, but where they go for lunch is a pub on the south bank of the Thames um, called the Anchor which has been there for many many years now today uh, well uh, obviously not today specifically I was being in the middle of a pandemic but um, in recent times the way John and I know the anchor is because it's a sort of dreadful tourist trap um, along that stretch of the south bank which is now you know restaurants um, attractions hotels um, Shakespeare's Globe I pass it on the way to the Globe yes exactly so it's just just past it's just past the clink isn't it yes it is clink clink street yeah so all of those things. So, it, you know, potentially not that great a place to go for sort of a romantic lunch. However, the, when this film was shot, it's in the middle of, like, abandoned Docklands warehouses. It's like a wasteland of... of, the, state, of the state of the South Bank in the early 70s. Though. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, you know, there's, like, cranes and sort of abandoned workshops. And, the, and you know, the, um, so if, if you know the area the the the, um, the railway bridge that runs into um actually is it london bridge station i can't remember no, is um, it Can- is it cannon, cannon street? street cannon street yes um so there's like a railway arch that you go under and now it's got all kind of funky lighting and things but then it's, li- it's literally just like a grubby railway arch. and in 1976 was the uh, scene where mr sin the ventriloquist dummy kills the cab driver buller in notable doctor who story talons of wen chiang oh Thank really you. See, this is the stuff that you know yeah. that we need to drill sweet, down into. What you pay the money for? Exactly. But what? So, so what's fascinating to me about that sequence, and it, you know, it, it affords Martino this great kind of three hundred and sixty kind of um, seventy-seven. Sorry, not seventy-six. Um, anyway, pa- panning right. shot 
uh, kind of along the railway bridge across the very grubby buildings of 1972 London on um, the north side of the river and then around to kind of go in through the pub window so it's quite a it's quite an elaborate mm, shot mm. Um, which is potentially why it got picked up why that that location was chosen but i just don't i can't figure why you know they've gone for a nice romantic lunch in in the middle of abandoned warehouses <laughs> um and then um and ultimately the the kind of climax of that scene and also the, the other thing that's amusing and i don't know if this is true or not if this is um accurate or not for the pub at the time but that you know all the waiters have kind of bow ties and um and mess jackets which is not really what I would be thinking of kind of a, you know, Docklands boozer um, in, in the 70s. But again, I, I'm, I'm unfortunately not familiar with the area at that time. But then when, when um, the climax of the scene is that she sees Ivan Rasimov's assassin outside and runs off and immediately catches a cab, uh, in the, again, in the midst of all of this derelict warehouse space, and we like we haven't seen a single other person outside of the pub, so I I also find that slightly far fetched. Though I'm probably overthinking it, given that it's about a psychic woman getting her mojo back after a satanic sex orgy. Yeah, I mean, I remember the last time I was watching this, and and, and I think you texted me to to protest that um, she gets from now disused uh, Aldwych station to, yes. to to Holland Park in about in about three stops and yes like, I mean as in just a, again for our um, uh, non-UK listeners so Aldwych tube station was was barely used when it was open um, so it's it's turns up in films a great deal because it's it was closed a lot and so could afford so it's in um American Werewolf in London and you know myriad other things it's been used in like Bond movies and stuff um so you have the slightly amusing notion of she gets on the tube at Aldwych, the train pulls out, um, then stops she, at Aldwych. Then stops at Aldwych, Aldwych. <laughs> um, for some other people to get off, uh, and then she sees Ivan Rasimov, who's still pursuing her. The train moves off again, and then arrives at Aldwych um, for the third time, so she can run out, and then comes out of Holland Park, uh, which isn't even on the same line. This is the stuff that the. <laughs> That we fixate on, um, yeah. It's the um, also the. It, I I remember getting most angry about that in um, the. Uh, is it the empty house episode? Sorry, the empty hearse. Sorry, episode of Sher- of Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss's Sherlock, mm. when he approaches uh, what is clearly a, um, a a district line train and gets on what is clearly a northern line train. And I was yes, like, it, it's the wrong height. It's, oh, it's yep. Yeah, yeah, they do the same thing in um, yeah. in Skyfall. Um, that's not what the trains on the district line look like. I'm sorry, I just I, I just won't have it. You've ruined um, everything for every, everything else. <laughs> you spoiled this film. Ultra realism. <laughs> pretty pretty much reportage. Uh, yeah. Cinema verity. Anyway, we've done there. Yeah. You've I, ruined I remember, it for me with an inaccurate description of a, of a metropolitan. The other one, country. the other one that always does my head in is, and we're completely off topic to talk about. <laughs> London Underground uh, egregious fails in cinema, but in Thor: The Dark World, um, Thor is magically transported from the battle that's going on at um, Greenwich to a, a tube platform, and I forget which line it's on. Um, but he gets on the train and he said, "I need to get to Greenwich." And there's a uh, female passenger says, "It's two stops," and I'm like, "No, it isn't." Well, so Greenwich isn't 
on uh, North Greenwich would be but it was, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, he'd, he'd lead the DLR. Then he's particularly screwed. Yeah, he's got to change. To, I mean, yeah, as well. I won't go into um, the Doctor Who story, Invasion of the Dinosaurs, in which the Doctor turns right down a street in Smithfield and a moment later is in is on Wimbledon Common I want to uh, <laughs> you have to you, you, have, you have to let that go we have to let talking go. of um, multiple uh, locations though the uh, the location of the the house where uh, Jane visits the the satanic cult is um, Whitecurse Place isn't it um, in uh, in West Sussex uh, I think which uh, I recognised as the location for Legend of Hell House Yes, yeah, yes. that's right. That's it. That's all I had for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Um, and and where they where they live is Kenilworth Court in Putney, which if you go there today is very gated off and full of very flash Italian sports cars. Um, so you can only really see it from the outside, um, but um, you can peer through the gates until the security chase you away and kind of. It's it's interesting. It's interesting that that sequence because they yeah they're in mansions as mm. and west london has a a, a, a a number of those i uh blocks of flats that are for the upper middle classes mm. which is in london which in england i think means a certain level of wealth but i'm wondering if that's mm. um a, that style of living is just a bit seen as a bit more as a bit more universal on the continent as to to understand the sort of like the the the, the apartment living of of somewhere of somewhere like Rome, yeah, be, very possibly would be, would be more common than say a middle class suburb. Uh, yeah, in, in I, I, I wonder. I mean, and and again, you know, they they I very don't think they shot any of this actually inside no. Kenilworth Court. It's purely exteriors, but the idea that within that building, it, you know, it has the kind of um, uh, concertina mesh, yeah, you know. Doors the st- on the lifts and, and the, the stairways and the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that doesn't seem out of place with the kind of building it is, but it's also a very common thing that you would see throughout the jally, you yeah, know, because indeed. there are a lot of you know killings within apartments yeah. that have exactly that kind of uh, that kind of structure. And I wonder if um, the that was that's why that particular style was was, was chosen, which yeah, socially means means something different in the UK, but doesn't matter. It's yeah. just um, it stands out. It stands out slightly more and invites comparisons. I think in a way to 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 Rosemary's Baby, there's sort of a yes. A, yeah, and sort of an inbuilt sort of tenement sort of mentality for sort of neighbours uh, to 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 be in close proximity, but also live very separate lives. Actually, so just randomly thought the old na- the old ladies she runs into when um, hmm. the the na- the mysterious neighbour has disappeared, hmm. and she starts like disbelieving her, and like the, you know, she's being she's being gaslighted, hmm. uh, which is very very Rosemary's baby. <clears throat> hmm. Her surname, the actress playing the neighbour, her surname's Quasimodo. <laughs> I just I just remember that from the credits and I was just like ooh that's, yeah. a, dis- that's a distinctive surname indeed and it's funny um, that you brought up uh, Rosemary's Baby and, and actually there are a few jally of this period where that kind of s- sort of satanic panic element kind of creeps in um, which I assume on, on the basis of this uh, on the basis of Rosemary's Baby and probably The Exorcist and even um, actually we're probably a little bit early still for um, The Omen aren't we although interesting segue if you actually go and have a look round Kenilworth Court if you go over Putney Bridge the other side of it is um, All Saints Church which is the church where Patrick Trout Patrick Trout. Come, um, gets a uh, 
lightning conducting rod through the neck in uh, in the omen. So, ah, mm. um, uh, yes, I think where she confronts Ivan Razimov, mm. um, where she that bit where she says, "Why are you following me?" and then runs off. Mm. That's the um, the sequence where um, Gregory Peck. That's the, sorry. That's that's the, the sequence is the same location as where Gregory Peck and Patrick Trout have the conversation, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Welcome to the London Geography Horror Podcast. Uh, yeah, it's 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 going well. also. There's weirdly 18 months before Patrick Troughton made The Omen, he appears in an episode of the Brian Clements anthology series Thriller, where he plays a broken priest trying to warn a North American diplomat that the devil has invaded his home. It literally is all connected. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. It's kind of amazing when you start looking at these things because, um, in, in sort of collectively, um, because I, you know, I, I threw out a reference to Lizard in a Woman's Skin and saying how similar it is to um, this movie, and I don't necessarily think anyone's ripping off anyone else, but no, no, apart no, no. from the fact it's kind of George Regard playing the same character, you know, they both start with a weird dream sequence. Mm. They're both around, you know. Um, a, a, you know, a neighbour who gets more. Or there's a plot element involving a neighbour who gets murdered. Um, the, there are, you know, they both have elements of kind of weird cults and things. So it's something in the air, I guess. I dropped Michael Troughton, Patrick Troughton's son and uh, biographer, a line to see if I could ask him about that. Uh, but he never, he never got back to me. So, Michael, if you're listening to this podcast. Please, please, please get, please get in touch. Yeah, John's other podcast anyway, is much more interesting and coherent than this one. No, that's, that's nothing to do. With, that's nothing to do with Nigel Neal. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. <laughs> you were just randomly yeah, please, please, yes. please, please don't infer that the quality of Birdcast is anything like this. This is this is all my fault. Um, oh no, this, I mean this in, in Birdcast. I'm the one that has to do. I'm the one that does the research for it, for it as, <laughs> as, as, as well. And Howard gets to ask the awkward questions, and I get to go. I don't know. I've already yeah. that bit and check out. But we also have a, we also have a guest in that was anyway. Um, perhaps we should try and get guests for late, for later on. Is Edward Edward Phoenix still alive? Can we get um, she is, but I'm going to guess she's not going to read any emails from me. Fair enough. <laughs> Are you saying I should have a go? It's worth a try. <laughs> Have a look. Okay, do you know we'll 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 look at that. We'll look at that yeah. later. Is she, she's also in uh, your vices a locked room, and I know I have the key, isn't she? Yes, she is. Yes, yes, she is. Quite yeah, nice. that's a that's a terrific yeah. film. We, we should probably try and do that at some point. Um, well. Yeah, a couple of things. We we've kind of rambled all over the place on this one, um, and I think that's rather like approach. It's rather yeah. Like I was going to say it's somewhat fitting, yeah. um, but there is there's some interesting symbolism. Um, Mary, the neighbour, uh, the point at which they go to the uh, satanic sex orgy is wearing a, a very sort of Red Riding Hood-esque cloak. Mm, mm. Um, and she is ultimately murdered kind of under the instruction of the cult leader, uh, Julian Ugarte's character. And he's got a very kind of lupine look. So I think there's a certain, you know, kind of fairy tale symbolism in that, particularly because they also keep talking a lot about, and, and Mary in particular keeps talking about how Jane is like a lost child. But yeah, I, I mean, it, it is a very... <laughs> It's it's a tricky one to to unpick in a number of ways. I mean, the the other thing I I've, I kind of joked about this on an earlier episode, and it's probably not really joking material, but here we are. Um, 
but you know that this is one of the ones where you know people react to things in a way that they don't in any any kind of genre other than jello or horror um because you know jane says when she meets her mary for the first time after she's been pursued by ivan rasimov um oh, there was a man chasing me um and mary says something like oh you know men have chased women since the stone age you know i'll be sad when they don't want to chase me anymore yeah. um and, and and that's you know, it's surprising how much the the main character's friends tend to say that in Jallo, where they've just it been is, but I mean, that, sexually assaulted. That, that, it, true, I mean, that, that, that follows through. I mean, I, I suppose it's often made a, a joke about. I'm just thinking of the first series of um, Arrested Development when Portia de Rossi goes into the prison to visit to visit her dad uh, and dresses conservatively so no one will. Um, make problematic comments at her and is then disappointed no one makes problematic comments and then visits in an ever more revealing outfits every subsequent time and ending with her just wearing a t-shirt saying slut on, on, on it and um um, Jeffrey Tambor then then having to say please like I'm having to pay people not to say anything to to my daughter can 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 you can you stop doing that <laughs> it's, 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 yeah what she wants is just it's just to to feel I mean that's shown as a joke as being shallow mm. that she wants that she wants convicts to 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 shout sexist comments at her to give her validation mm. um, but it's part it's part of the, the I think the same this the same argument except here it's being played absolutely straight yes in, exactly well, well you should you should be grateful someone's just assaulted you <laughs> it's better than when they don't yeah mm. yeah it's um you know we're gonna have a we're gonna have a number of trigger warnings on this episode including terrible use of london geography parking <laughs> i'm glad all this happens to her because <laughs> I'm not. That's a joke. It's also a film. It's there we go. Yeah. So yes, it's. I think I can understand what you say in that it's one of your favourites, if not your favourite. It is by no means the best Jallo, but mm. it is one of the most enjo- enjoyably interesting Jallos I, th- I think yes. I watch. And for enti- and like um, Bird of the Crystal Plumage, uh, but for entirely different reasons, it's one I'll happily go to again and again. Mm. Yeah, and that's not to say by any measure that that it's badly made, because you know Martino, I don't think um, is as one one of the things people you know talk about when he he is um, discussed is that you know he doesn't seem to have any particular style as a director, which I don't know is necessarily true, but he certainly has. You know, there's there's some lo- lovely kind of shots and 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 references in this. You know, for example, um, yeah, I mean, the, you've got the inevitable broken broken mirror shot reflecting kind of the fracturing of the psyche. And um, oh yeah, yeah, which is and I I, I love that's the, one of the most famous images from it when you go the, yes the, the refractor yeah, yeah. shot yeah. and I love that there's a um, there's a really nice shot when she wakes up in the morning I think it's in the morning and Richard has already left to go somewhere he's got a meeting with the client in Liverpool I seem to recall um, and he's written on the mirror in lipstick I don't know why he didn't just leave her a post yeah, or whatever that, uh, um can you imagine uh, if if you left jan or i left gina a message in her lipstick on, on the oh mirror, my god what would what in their lip what would happen <laughs> yeah uh i i don't i i fear i fear that would not end well um no. 
But the way it's kind of framed in a really interesting way, and it, at that point she realizes that so all of the the satanic cultists have got an eye in a kind of um, pyramid tattooed on their body somewhere, and she notices that that's actually been done to her. And it kind of as it's reflected in the mirror, it's it's over where the the word Richard, where he's where he signed his name, and so I I kind of you know again I've seen this film probably too many times and I'm so but I'm kind of wondering if that's specifically staged as such to suggest maybe he's complicit in some way with the cult um because at that point it's not clear that whether he is or not um you know because he's he's got like books on satanism around the house and mm, yeah that's true. Um, he's, so, so there is a, there is a fair amount of you know and, and with as with many Jedi, there's a fair amount of red herring building going on um, yeah, but yeah, I, I, I do. I, I do really like that 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 shot, the way it's kind of set up with the um, the lipstick on the mirror, which he then kind of tries to wipe off and just makes worse. But um, you know, if he doesn't have to clean the place, it's fine. Yeah, there's there's a metaphor there somewhere, <laughs> but I've, like, we've we've run out of time. Next episode, it's don't torture a duckling, which thanks to you stealing my thunder on the largely apparently unoriginal one I was about to make is a working class. Rural Jello. We're going deep into the countryside and deep into uh, suspicions and witchcraft and and the killing of children. Yeah. So let's hope there's no trigger trigger warnings needed there. <laughs> Next time, the kids are definitely not all right in Lucio Fulci's shocking masterpiece. Don't torture a duckling. Until then, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>